Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the fifth installment of Chicks into the Pits. Right when we were starting kind of to panic about content, considering how boring the past couple of months have been, the Formula One market drops a series of absolute bombs. Yeah, so basically, guys, this month we're discussing everything that is going on at Ferrari, McLaren and more, basically sharing our pretty unpopular opinions on the whole ordeal. So, Marty, when do we even start? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, there's so much stuff to say. And we were actually, like, when discussing about the, the introduction for the podcast, we were like, okay, we don't have time to, to digress in this case <laughs> because there's so much information to condense. But you can bet, of course, we're going to digress because, I mean, it wouldn't be chicks into the pits otherwise. So, Marty, you, you do the honors and you start because I have no idea what to do, honestly. <laughs> Thank you very much, because I have absolutely no idea what to start with, too. Um, well, I'd say that the main thing that happened these days was uh, Vettel deciding not to sign with Ferrari again. Um, I, I honestly don't know what to say. I, I'm still <laughs> baffled, to be honest. It's um, honestly a traumatic experience for both yes. of us. We're like, yes. no, no, this, this isn't happening. This is not what's going on. Yeah, like, I didn't see that coming now. I kind of saw that coming um, in, I don't know, in a future, in an indefinite future, but <laughs> not now. And um, no, I, I don't even know what my life is about. So, <laughs> no, I was actually like kind of calling it for 2021. I remember yeah. when making my predictions, you know, when the um, when the new regulations were expected to come in 2021. And I was like, Sebastian isn't going to stay around for these new cars, isn't going to be willing to settle for the new cars. So he'll just leave. So when the regulations were postponed to 2022, I, I was like, okay, we'll get Sebastian for two more years instead than one. So this is good. But, you know, be, being sacked in this way like it it doesn't it doesn't ring right to me i i i come of course i can't be happy about it and uh i i don't think that many people are to be honest yeah i mean i i, I think that at this point almost everybody knows that i do not like ferrari um <laughs> i honestly was kind of relieved when i read the news at first but then i went like what does he do now? Um, and I was just thinking about all the possibilities, which are not a lot, to be honest. No. And I, I, I don't know, I fell into depression. And yeah, this has been my life for the past week, basically thinking about <laughs> what does Sebastian do now? No, but honestly, yeah, it was unexpected. And what I think uh is pretty telling of what is going on right now is that even you know those those diehard ferraristas which we really don't like the people ready to to basically bash and throw out the window a four-time world champion or somebody like fernando alonso as soon as they don't deliver the expected results and everybody was calling like fat aloud fat aloud and then when the moment came, like not even those people were like, 
okay, this is a great choice. This is exactly what we wanted. Like they were disappointed too. So basically yeah. nobody is happy. Like how did this even come to happen? Like if you told me like two months ago, I would have probably laughed at your face. Like it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And if it's true what it's been said, but it's always very, very difficult with Ferrari because like they, they maybe have one of two trusted media they, they go to lunch with. And then everybody else is basically left in the dark. But you can't even trust those type of media because most of the time they blow things out of proportion. And what they're saying is like it was basically Ferrari's fault. They they were they weren't willing to offer Vettel the contract he deserved because come on, you you cannot tell a four-time world champion that he should get the same pay as a basically rookie with no titles a couple wins and just expect him to be happy with that. Like, that's not how contract works. That's not how business works. It's not about, you know, being affectionate to Seb. It's just pure money. That's not how things, how the world goes around. So I was baffled, absolutely baffled. Yeah, me too. Also because it happened so fast. Maybe that's the reason why we didn't see that coming because we had no hints until the news came out. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. The fact that it happened this way makes me think that something stinks a lot. And knowing how Ferrari do their things, there is certainly something that is not right, that hasn't been handled the right way. I'm sure about that, Absolutely. like 100%. Absolutely. And, you know, it almost, it almost, you know, the, the, the scenario that this sounds like, it sounds like they were all sitting at a table. They were trying to discuss negotiations. Everybody, of course, pulling their own strings. That's only normal. And then something snaps. It, it, it almost seems like somebody or something snapped completely and was like, okay, we're not, we're not going to do this. Like, I, of course, do not believe one single word out of their press release because and nobody should honestly like it's just common fact and common practice that press releases never tell the truth that's not how things work so yeah it almost looks like like somebody completely snapped at some point and i don't think that's seb i really don't think that's seb no me neither to be honest because part of the reason why i didn't see it coming at all is that i thought he would have wanted to go on with Ferrari, at least for 2021. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to say. I I knew Ferrari did bad in the past with me. But this way, this thing, I don't know. I, I won't forgive this. Yeah, this is, this is, you know, very bad. And to be honest, it just consolidates to me, to my eyes and to anybody else's eyes, to be honest, that like Ferrari doesn't know how to handle things in the modern world. Ferrari is stuck in some kind of fictional 80s, 70s, 80s (laughs) scenario. You you know, it it, it pretty much, do you remember like the scene of the negotiations between um, Hunt, James Hunt and McLaren (laughs) in Rush? Okay. Like that, exactly like that. The only problem is, first, that was a movie, a fucking movie. <laughs> Secondly, it was a movie set like 40 years <laughs> ago. So it, it's, it's 
this is exactly how they seem to handle things. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's on, not only for, you know, of course, the, the business side of things, but me and Martina can quote a different, a thousand different instances in which Ferrari behaves badly, super badly with the media. And actually, I was discussing this with a, a Ferrari driver, not a Formula One driver, another Ferrari driver, factory driver, of which I will not tell the name, of course. And they were like, they are so bad at, end, at handling public relations. Like, they are completely incapable of doing that stuff. And it's absolutely crazy because in the, in the era of social media and of, you know, constant interaction with the fans, they are the only ones never replying to emails, never replying to comments. Uh, they, they seem to, to do everything they possibly can to be absolutely unlikable. Like, this is the only way I can put it. Yeah, you're right. Um To me, it's absurd that it's so obvious the fact that they don't know how to handle media. Like, you should know how to do that. You are Ferrari. You are important in the whole world. You should really wrap your head around this thing and realize that you need to start working on your social media, but media in general skills, because you don't have any So that's that's crazy to me. Like being a media student also, this is absolutely crazy. It's not yeah, possible. Like put Martina in a room at Ferrari and she's going to go ballistic and absolutely tell them <laughs> like, you're doing everything wrong. And she would be right, to be honest. So, no, yeah. the thing is like they, they thrive. They think they thrive because I don't think they do. Um, in the in this idea of exclusivity, you know, of being uh, the the unreachable standard, the golden standard for everybody else. But you know, this is something that you have to earn. You, you yes. don't simply just have it. And most importantly, even if you earned it in the past, as Ferrari certainly did. It's not something that you are just expected to retain anywhere in the future. You can lose credibility. And this is what Ferrari has been doing for the past decade, I would say. Like constantly yes. losing credibility is a downward spiral that doesn't seem to end. Actually, I was watching a YouTube video right after Sebastian's uh, goodbye to Ferrari, uh, which was actually sent to me to, uh, from my Rosso Automobili bo boss. And he was going like, oh, this is a pretty interesting concept. This is a pretty interesting thing. It, it was, you know, American motorsport slash car media, which usually is pretty shit. Like, sorry to my American listeners, but you don't know a single thing about European motorsport and it shows. Um, but yeah, it was actually um, recounting the tale of Ferrari uh, sending cease and desist letters to actually Ferrari owners that couldn't do some things with their with their own car. Like they were detailing the car in a manner that Ferrari didn't like. And they were actually sent cease and desist letters from Ferrari's legal department. Do you realize how crazy this <laughs> is? Like imagining that you have the right to tell somebody who shelled millions on his own car 
what to do with it. Like, this is exactly how Ferrari acts and how Ferrari thinks. Like, they believe they are above and beyond everything and anybody else. And I was so shocked. And I actually was able to, to recover that cease and desist letter from Ferrari's legal department. And you, you would not believe the things that were written in there. Like, <laughs> I, I was absolutely shocked. They were going like, um, this does not uh, represent Ferrari's brand image of Italian excellence and stuff like that. Simply because the owner f***ing detailed the car with a neon green paint. And I mean, we can agree that a neon green paint is absolutely disgusting on most sports cars, maybe except Lamborghini. Yes. But, you know, that's Lamborghini's trademark. But it is insane that you would send a cease and desist letter for this. Like, absolutely insane. I'm getting too heated up about this, but it's just so 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 crazy to me. It looks absolutely out of this world. Yeah, also because when they say Italian excellence, to be honest, Ferrari right now is not my first idea of Italian excellence. Yeah. So what are you even saying? Like... Yeah, honestly, no, no, if I had to, to think about Italian excellence at the moment, in motorsport at least, I would definitely go with Lamborghini, no? Yeah, with me too. They, <laughs> I mean, they know how to work, at least. <laughs> yeah, and they know how to treat media, at least, like, most of the time. It, yeah. Not, yeah. not always, but most of the time. Uh, but anyway, what do we think about science getting <laughs> uh, Seb's place, Marty? Marty is going to get heated up for this, get ready. <laughs> I I don't even know where to start. Uh, I was honestly more shocked about this than Seb leaving Ferrari because, or Ferrari leaving Seb, put it the way you want. Um, that was totally unexpected to me. I didn't want that. I do not want that. Um, in case you didn't know, uh, Carlos is one of my favorite drivers on the grid. Um, I really appreciate him and I do not want to see him crumble under Ferrari pressure. I don't want to see that. I really do not want to also because we, we all noticed um, that Ferrari does not know how to handle drivers. Uh, they, they, I think they do not know how to handle a lot of things. Like, you know, what's worse about what you're saying is that I, I partially believe it's true. Like, they don't know how to handle. But most importantly, they don't care. Yeah, like, they right. don't give a fuck about handling drivers and everything else. They just yeah. expect everything to fall into place without putting any work in. Yeah, at this point, I really, I'm really starting to appreciate Mercedes's politics because at least... They have a driver number one, a driver number two, and that's it. And they are able to keep it that way. And I, I'm not sure that they can do this. I mean, of course, they will not be able to do this the way Mercedes does it, because <laughs> they, yeah, sure. they are not the same thing, um, unfortunately. But yeah, I really, I'm really concerned, to be honest. I, I'm like a worried mom. Um, I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm a bit scared, to be honest, because I don't want him to, to crumble, really. That's the, the last thing I want for him. And I really, I really care. And I wouldn't want to, to, to see bad things happen to him, shit uh, being thrown at him. I wouldn't like that. 
Yeah, the thing is, like, everybody is, you know, immediately jumping to the fact that, oh, yes, Carlos will adapt into a number two driver super quickly. And I'm like, okay, but what what makes you think that? Like, Carlos has has basically shown zero signs in his career of adapting quickly to a number two role. Like, the time in which he was competing with Verstappen back in Toro Rosso, like, he was definitely doing anything but adapting to a number two role and actually he kind of he kind of equaled Verstappen's performance in most cases like how everybody is expecting him to settle into this kind of narrative is just beyond me like it's not like we're talking about a natural uh, number two driver there are some of them in the in the grid for example I don't know I would never think about Albon or Gasly as number one drivers like they clearly settle into a number two role and that's probably for the best but that's not Carlos like he never showed such signs so why everybody is just expecting him to settle I I don't understand this yeah I think that part of this problem is the fact that if you look at his personality he is not the most outgoing uh, driver on the grid and this is certainly something that plays a role in this. Like you, I bet that lots of people who watch Formula One do not even know what his face looks like, mainly because he does not do weird comments uh, to the press. He d- does not release uh, weird interviews. Um, he does not talk shit in general. Yeah, he's a very understated guy. Yeah, so... What I think makes some people believe that he will quickly adapt to to this number two role is, is this, the fact that he seems to have little to no personality, which, to be honest, I, I don't think it's like that. But I, it's not that I don't think it's like that because I know him or, or anything. But, you know, everybody has his own personality. And I think that he just has a personality of someone who could adapt to a number two spot but that's not the case with him he is yes not outgoing absolutely he is obviously an introvert but that does not affect the way he delivers on track yeah I agree also because like people seem to have some difficulty you know discerning the person from the driver yeah like how, how do you expect the, the personality to always and immediately translate into driving style? I have no idea. Like, take some blatant examples. Like, Lewis Hamilton, you know, he's this basic cuddly bear social justice warrior outside of the track. And we all love him for that. Like, he he always seems to care so much about everything. He would he, he would never even literally kill a fly because that he would consider that animal cruelty or something. But then he goes out on track and he's a killer in the good sense of the term, of course. Like, you wouldn't expect Lewis Hamilton to settle into a number two role just because he's a nice person out of yeah. track. Like, it's absolutely crazy. Or take Max Verstappen. Everybody thinks he's a jerk in real life, but we don't know him. He's never showed that he was he's a jerk in real life. He has had a girlfriend for the past five years, and they seem very happy and in love. Do you think he's a bad person simply because he's aggressive on track? Like, it's absolutely crazy. It makes no sense. I, I can agree that some aspects of one's personality certainly translate into their driving style. For example, I would say that, you know, 
Charles Leclerc has a pretty gigantic ego and it shows out <laughs> and, out and on track. But not everything necessarily translates. And I mean, Seb is one of the, the, the nicest, chillest, uh, most secretive people around. And then he goes out on track and he's a force and world champion. So how, how that, the two things relate, I have no idea. Yeah, and another thing that I think might have been handled better, but this is from, uh, you know, some time ago, if you ask me, um, is Carlos's PR, public relation, entourage, and all of that. Because I think that, I don't know, to me, this thing happened very quickly. Because if Seb left Ferrari that quick in an unexpected way, then Carlos mustn't have had all that time to think about going to Ferrari. Yeah. And what I think is that I've never liked his manager, to be honest. Um, Who's he? His brother? Like His cousin. Ah, his cousin, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't have hard feelings on anyone, but I feel like he, he has to circle himself with people who really know how to do their job I'm not saying that (laughs) his manager doesn't know how to do that it just looks to me that he is not a real manager I don't know if that's because this is causing they're from the same family but that doesn't look like a completely professional figure to me and maybe they would have handled things differently if his entourage was different his if I don't know his public relation uh, assistant was another person I don't know and I, I really think that nowadays talking to media makes a big part of a driver's personality of a driver's future of everything to be honest and you really have to to care about this and yeah. if you think about it like Hamilton has a perfect editorial plan for every social media he has he is perfectly equipped um media wise and Carlos isn't obviously it's not the same thing we, we have a world champion and someone who did nothing up to this point to be honest but that's really important that is absolutely vital right yeah, I remember you doing like a university research on Lewis Hamilton's social media approach right Marty? yeah like yeah, last I year it really really hard yeah 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 but I mean it shows it's perfectly curated and it really shows and I mean I think there are I don't study this so this is not like a professional perspective as much as you might have but I think that there, there are many different ways to do social media rights. And it really depends on what you show as your public image, as your yeah. public figure. Like your social media also have to reflect your personality. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And it, it kind of, you know, completely disintegrates the perception uh, that the public eye has on you. Like, for example, another person that, in my opinion, does social media very well without having so much of a curated editorial plan as Louis might do is Kimi Raikkonen. Like we all know who, what are Kimi Raikkonen's punchlines. Uh, like he is, you know, this very not much talkative guy, the <laughs> standard Finnish guy, but also like 
the family man of the paddock because if you think about you know a paddock family you think about Kimi Raikkonen's family so his social media is all about him you know making this kind of forced at times jokes about him being not very talkative and having this kind of quirky personality and about his family another person who I think does it you know decently well is Lando Norris like he's the meme guy he's the twitch guy he's the okay boomer and I think he true. does it absolutely well like really yeah. well because it translates you know it shows that that's who he is and that's how he likes to be portrayed in the media and it shows because it's a coherent and cohesive image like Carlos simply doesn't have one at the moment yeah he that that is the problem that is at least part of the problem he doesn't have any media personalities that is a big issue right now because you need to have one Yeah, I was thinking about people not having one in the paddock. This is actually a pretty interesting conversation. In my opinion, like those who do this better are certainly Hamilton, um, Raikkonen, Norris. I would also say that Ricardo or Ricardo, as our, you know, British counterparts say, um, does it very well. Like he has this farm guy, Australia vibe. I think I don't follow him on social media. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's very well done because like he, he likes to share music. Music is a fundamental part of um, his, you know, out of track life. Yeah. And I think he really shows and it's very good. He always shares playlists, top threes and stuff like that. And then he has, you know, this kind of a farm boy, Australian farm boy attitude because he has like a gigantic farm. And, you know, it really translates because it, it clicks with you. Like this is something that Daniel Ricciardo can realistically be and he is. Uh, people who also like, for example, I think that a very underestimated social media presence is Daniel Kvyat. Like he's the yeah. prototype Russian. He is the Russian guy. Like you, you know this because he barely posts anything. When he does, he's always like a super angry face selfie. Like it's yeah. perfect. It perfectly. Like, why do I have to do this? Yeah, exactly. But it fits with the character. People who I really don't like on social media, for example, include like Pierre Gasly, who seems to be only defined by his relationship with yeah. Catherine and nothing else. And it's so cringy, to be honest, like in general, not only about Formula One drivers, but if you only have like pictures and posts with your girlfriend on social media or boyfriend, like it's super cringy. I'm sorry. And that's what Valtteri Bottas turned into. Like basically, oh, yeah. it is only stuff with Tiffany and I'm like, That's so boring. Let's say something about you. I don't care about your girlfriend. So, yeah, I don't like what Gasly does. I don't know, Marty, do you have any other people who you don't like? The social I actually, media? I don't dislike how Gasly does it. I do think, although that he, he definitely posts too much with his girlfriend, i, I wouldn't do that, to be honest. That's a bit too much. I, I like the guy, though, so I'm not really, <laughs> you know, objective. But yeah, his girlfriend is a big presence, a bit too big in my eyes. Um, I don't know. For example, think about Lance Stroll. He, <laughs> he, I don't even know. What does he do on social media? No, I, I have no idea. Like, I know for a fact that he has, like, a private account. And I think it was called something like Sir Lancelot. Yeah. 
I found yeah, it, you I know. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But he has a private account, so we can imagine, you know, standard sh- posting. Of course, it's private, so we have no idea. And then, like, his official account is basically nothing, like a post per year. But I, I mean, Marty, if you if you buy your seat every year, and if your father is the owner of a team, do you really need a social media strategy? I don't think so. No, you don't. But you know, uh, think about. Just name me a person that absolutely loves him. Ah, nobody, nobody. But to be honest, like, That's again, you, you don't need to be loved if you're secure and if you're safe. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting on Stroll's abilities on track. Like, people well, give I him... am. No, honestly, <laughs> people give him so much hell, but it's not like we we didn't have, you know, mediocre drivers in Formula One. We had some terrible, terrible drivers in Formula One. So, I mean, Stroll, yeah, his seat should probably go to somebody else, but it's not like it's a terrible, you know, bad influence in the paddock. He he just stays there, so it's kind of okay. And then, like, you don't don't need to care about being loved or being acknowledged or getting socially recognized if you are secure in your position. Like that's all he, in, in all ma- that matters to him. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyway, um, it's a romantic. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Martin. You're you're naive at times, but I love you. Yeah. For that. <laughs> but anyway, like now we got the the coveted Mercedes and Renault seats, and we we were hearing rumors about Fernando Alonso returning oh. to Renault, and we're like, please stop, <laughs> no. Yeah, guys, like, enough. Just stop it. You know what what really breaks my heart? Because I was, you know, the first thing I thought about when Daniel made the move to McLaren, to be honest, um, I know I always go there during this podcast, but it was, you know, a pretty big moment for me and for Marty as well. Like, I immediately thought, that's it would have gone, should have gone, and probably would have gone to Antoine. Like, that's the first thing I think of. And when you think about it, it's pretty natural. Like, it it would have definitely gone to Antoine because we we had the time to see how good he was in Formula 2 and there's no way he wouldn't have made the jump in 2021. So now seeing Fernando Alonso again, I'm like, oh my God, like we have so much young talent. Unfortunately, we don't have Antoine anymore, but there's so much young talent going around and we're really going to call on somebody who will be like 41 or 40 in 2021. I don't even remember. Probably 40 is an 81. Like, why? Why do we even go there? Absolutely no. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. Like, it doesn't make sense. I really hope that isn't true, that they are not talking to each other, because that would be ridiculous, to be honest. Like, that's it. You finish. Get, get your head around that, because that's not going to change to me. Like, you're out of Formula One. Please do not come back. We do not want you back. Thank like, you. All of this with utmost respect for Fernando. Like he's a driver I very, very much appreciate. And he was one of my favorites growing up. Like for me, there was only Kimi and Fernando when I was very, very young. Like it, it's not coming from a place of, you know, hate or disapproval. It's just coming from a pre- place of realism. Like yeah. 
what has Formula One come to? And the rumors, which again, I seriously hope are just rumors, and I don't tend to believe much myself because, you know, I've studied uh, Liberty Media's balance sheets and they don't have the money for this. But the rumors that Liberty Media could, you know, intervene in paying a part of his salary dumbfounded of course but if true like it's it's so so depressing what is formula one come to like it has never been about raw talent we know that money is involved but this is just too much like even in the renault sports academy of course antoine was like the star of it but you know for example i i wouldn't think that guan yuzu is not ready for formula one just give the guy a chance what what does it cost you it costs you barely anything because you you wouldn't pay guan yuzu that much money and seriously renault needs to consider their investments because they've been absolutely idiotic in their investments so so far so you know saving on the second driver would be a great idea right now yeah and talking about money where do you think McLaren took the money to sign Ricardo? Because I, I can't fathom that. No, honestly, like I have no, I don't expect somebody like Ricardo to have taken like a huge pay cut going to McLaren. So that's really not in the question. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I think this idea of impounding their historical machinery may, may, may have been, you know, part of this whole ordeal. Or, or they may be guaranteed, like, same thing that Alfa Romeo did. Again, this is all speculation on our side, so take this with a grain of salt. I have no sources confirming this or, you know, giving me this information. But you know how Alfa Romeo paid a huge chunk of Kimmel's salaries in shares into the company? Maybe McLaren could have done the same to Ricardo. He seems like somebody who is really keen in investments. He is um, investing in real estate, as far as I know, in Australia. Yeah. And he's investing in, uh, you know, a karting school, a karting foundation. So he's clearly a, a very uh, business savvy guy. So in, in my opinion, if I were Ricardo, I would have taken McLaren shares. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know what? What I always think when I see this, you know, even when I saw that he was going to Renault in 2018, um, is that when you pay a driver that much and you get that driver because he is a very good driver and you want to develop your car with a good driver, but you, let's say that you waste, but don't don't take it so seriously, you waste that money and you, you do not have that money anymore to develop the car. Why the hell do you do that? Yeah, it's honestly, it's a very difficult balance to find. And I think that, for example, Renault failed in this. Yeah, uh, they did. Absolutely. Big time. They failed big time in this. But mostly because, yeah, like the, the structure, the fundamental structure in Renault is absolutely flawed. Like they have no idea where they're where they're going. They have no direction. Visible is a, you know, terrible team principal because he has no idea on how to be loved and to be cared for um, from his employees. I have heard from a Caterham, a former Caterham employee, still working in Formula One in a different team, but at the time he was one of the victims of the big Caterham layoff. And, um, you know, Abitabu was actually the team principal at the time that he was the team principal uh, right before the layoff. 
And uh, basically, uh, this um, this guy said to me that they didn't even get a notice and their pension plan was absolutely scrapped from one day to another. Like, this is the kind of guy we're dealing with. We're dealing with a guy who has you know, no idea and no uh, intention to preserve either money or, you know, investments or human resources. I really think he's a bad bad team principal and also a bad businessman because honestly if you get conned into signing a two-year deal by ricardo at that condition you're not that good yeah you're right well let's put it like this if ferrari are a bunch of clowns renault is the entire circus basically I think we're, we, if if it wasn't that you know our podcast is pretty niche, we would probably get sued for this. Yeah, so right. let's thank God that the podcast <laughs> is niche. <laughs> oh anyway, God! I mean, honestly, I have no esteem whatsoever about a bitable and for a bitable. Um, the the only thing that saves him to my eyes is that he's kind of good looking, at least in my opinion. But that's oh God, really what? Much it. Yeah, come on, he's a oh, nice Jesus. guy. He's a nice guy. You you know I like them. You know like that, like that. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, no, terrible, terrible person. And everybody who knows him that I've heard of has nothing good to say about him and about his business methods. So there's that. Honestly, about Mercedes, like yesterday, people got so frightened because I wanted to 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 give some visibility to a post about uh, independent media coverage and how this is going to be very difficult to obtain in uh, 2020. So I got with like a super basic joke, clickbait, Vessel goes to Mercedes. And everybody was like, oh my God, I believed you for a second. You gave me a heart attack. But Marty, first of all, do we think it's realistic? I don't think so. Second of all, would you like this? I would love this, to be honest. Um, really? But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would. But I don't think it's that realistic. Um, I just read an article um, before recording about the fact that uh, Hamilton does obviously want Bottas to stay at Mercedes. Of course. And I really think that what he wants is what is done in the end. So to me, that is not so likely to happen. Yeah, I agree. Also, you know, the thing that makes it slightly likelier, but again, I don't think this is going to happen, is that, that at the moment, to be honest, like Mercedes is going through a civil war, like seriously, Captain America versus Iron Man style. <laughs> because the thing is, on one side, we have Toto Wolf and um, Hamilton, of course, the dream team, the super winning team but then on the other side we've got Daimler management and Daimler management is not friends with Toto Wolf Ola Kalenius basically has hates Toto Wolf so you know there might be some friction in there but in the end I think that if you have a six time world champion going on seven probably uh, you you just don't want to get into you, you don't want to get him angry, especially when he's going for the all-time record with your team. So, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen, at least in 2021, because they yeah. don't want to jeopardize the risk of having a seventh world title or an eighth in 2021. We don't know. 
Well, we must say that he, Seb, I mean, would be really good for marketing at Mercedes. Um, yeah, he's German. You know, German driver in a German car. <laughs> That's the best that could happen. But, you know, for many other things, I really think that it's, I don't know, it's unlikely, to be honest. But I really hope be. that there is a possibility for this <laughs> in, in the future. I don't know. I, I would really like to see Seb on a fucking good car. Yeah, and it would be like the ultimate slap in the face to Ferrari. Yes, I really (laughs) would. Goodbye. Yeah, I I honestly feel very bad because you know I'm a Ferrari fan. You aren't, but I am. So I feel really bad. But, you know, I really, I have always really liked Seb. And what has been done to him, in my opinion, is almost unforgivable. I I didn't expect anything differently, to be honest, because, you know, Ferrari has always sucked their champions in a very, very, very nasty way. Like they have no idea how to do corporate retention at any level. And this shows, honestly, this shows even in the gestion esportiva, like it's not only about the drivers, but employer and corporate retention is always about, you know, the the smaller fish as well. And basically what everybody agrees insane when we talk about you know the ferrari business model and uh, you know employer policies is that ferrari is a bunch of mercenaries like yeah. nobody is in for the for the long term at ferrari because they all know they're going to get sacked if things start to go sour and i think this is like a super 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 bad way to to carry out things and i mean they haven't had a title for more than decades so i think i'm right yeah and you know who probably was the only driver who did it right when wanted to drop out of ferrari before ferrari sacked him it was alan prost when he said that i don't know in a press conference I yeah the, the car is a truck yeah he said that the car was a truck and they they freaking sacked him but that's what he wanted to obtain so yeah big up for alan you did it good <laughs> yeah no that that was a that was a crazy moment but even if you think about you know the relationship with between uh ferrari and niki lauda like a guy who won two championships for you an absolute icon and legend which by the way in this day that we're recording which is may 20 we're also uh you know commemorating the the first anniversary anniversary since his death so you know also a tribute to niki like a guy like that and you treat him like you treated him it just doesn't click right and at that time we could have seen okay it was Enzo like that's how Enzo carried out things okay like I don't know I'm going to sound blasphemous to most people but I honestly don't care because it's business Enzo is dead Enzo has been dead for 30 years like do you really expect his business model to work 30 years later like it didn't even properly work when he was alive can you expect like 30 years later to work like it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and i don't care if i'm going to get you know excommunicated by the ferrari fans or whatever like that's just the truth of the situation (laughs) yeah i'm like please excommunicate me (laughs) do that do your thing i don't want to talk to you i don't want to see you but yeah anyway marty we've basically reached the the 45 minute mark we didn't digress as much like incredible you're right 
it's a, we had so many things to talk about. There was no time to digress. So the astrology special will have to wait. And uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe reviews are postponed uh, <laughs> to a later <laughs> date. So thanks so much for tuning, guys. And uh, we'll see you on June 27th, as usual. 27th of June, my God. Are we already in June almost? Yeah, can you believe that? We're basically at the six-month mark. Crazy. All right, goodbye, guys. (laughs) Bye-bye.